Data Drop is proudly sponsored by the Royal Bank of Canada. RBC is committed to helping clients thrive and communities prosper, supporting strategic initiatives that make a measurable impact on society, the environment, and the economy. RBC has been a lead sponsor for Toronto Women X in Data Science for four years, helping us advance the mission of enabling a million women to become data literate. You can check them out at rbc.com techjobs. Hello, and welcome to the Data Drop podcast. I'm your host, Kishana Peck, the founder of Toronto Women X in Data Science, and today I'm joined by Helen Contazopoulos. Helen Contazopoulos is the co-founder and chief technical evangelist of Odea. Helen co-founded Odea in 2018, an AI-powered commercial insights SaaS platform for pharma companies. As chief technical evangelist, Helen brings her understanding of artificial intelligence, customer analytics, and digital transformation to drive Odea's thought leadership efforts, ultimately helping pharma teams adopt AI in their work and leverage data science and AI to achieve a competitive advantage. She's been teaching product development, design, and entrepreneurship for nine years at the University of Toronto in the Department of Computer Science and the Department of Computer and Mathematical Sciences. Helen co-founded U of T's Department of Computer Science Innovation Lab, DCSIL, an incubator that supports students and faculty to commercialize their innovations in emerging technologies. Helen is passionate about making her digital art in her spare time. You can find her digital art at helencontazopoulos.art. So everyone, I would like you to welcome Helen to the podcast. Hey, Helen, how are you? Good. Oh my gosh. When you promote my art, I get really nervous. <laughs> I get nervous than anything else. <laughs> but thank you so much because um, having a good side hobby really keeps me sane, that's for sure. But thank you, and um, I'm always looking forward to um, hanging out with you. Me too. Um, so today we will be speaking about data storytelling and you. So Helen, why is storytelling and data important for you to make this person's life better? And you know, at the end of the day, you're you're always like trying to find a solution, but in artificial intelligence and machine learning, in any any problem you're trying to solve, you need data for it to solve that. You know, you need to figure out uh, what data sets do I need to, you know, find the solution in. Like, how do I present data to people? Um, you know, what data does the user need uh, to do their job? So you're, you're thinking about multiple things, multiple uh, areas um, of thinking for a business to happen, for a product to be built, and data is one of the most important things that that if you don't have it, you can't build, you, you just build something, but it's kind of like a hollow shell without anything in it. Um, and so usually the questions around are always about data and business. And I wanted to kind of um, talk more about your personal data and what kind of data do you know about yourself um, and your career uh, data that is important to you as a, you know, for your career, like what is happening? What are the numbers um, around your industry? You know, where is it going? Uh, trends. Um, and I was thinking more about the data that surrounds yourself. Um, and I thought that was a cool topic because as we're building careers or as we are building ourselves into leaders, 
we are always asked what trends and what what is the important numbers and data we should know. And I thought also, what is the important data that we have starting to build in our careers? Um, so I think that was kind of the topic I wanted to think about and talk about today. Yeah, definitely. And I think usually data is um, siloed just to businesses. So when you think of it as an individual level, it's actually really powerful as well. And something that we spoke about were key data points. So some key data points that you should know about yourself on an individual level um, at all times. And I wanted to know um, for you, like what's your definition of key data points and what are some of your key data points? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, you did, you did tell me, you know, about a few weeks ago to think about that. What are my key, key data points? And I used to always present myself and say, yeah, I teach at the university and um, I've worked with some teams and startups and um, including my own and started this, you know, 2018. And, you know, I, I kind of lightly went through my career. But when you start putting some numbers behind it and some, you know, you start kind of building up kind of a visualization of your data, <laughs> your personal data, um, you go, hang on. No, I've worked with, I would say over a hundred startups. Ooh. And yeah, and I, I don't even want to know how many were women founders. Um, I do know, I do know. But let's just say from the hundred, I would say 10, 10 were women founders. So you know, 90% were male, 10% were female. And then I worked teaching at the university about nine years. So it's nine years of, that's almost a decade. That's crazy. You, know? you get a plaque or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You get a gold watch, uh, you know. Um, and then you start thinking, you know, uh, you're going, how many colleagues are around you? And you're, you're thinking about the numbers of people around you and you start thinking, you know, um, you know, how many are women in technology, women in AI, women who are in data, uh, women in pharma now, because I work in the pharma, pharma, pharma industry um, in the sales and commercial side. So I'm not in the drug discovery side. But um, so mine started, I started realizing that if I start creating a visualization of my own personal data in my mind my story started becoming fuller in in someone's mind as well like the person who's listening to you the venture capitalist who's going to fund your your startup or uh the employee you know who wants to work for you or you know the the recruit in this case you know or the or or just the audience um and i think i would go lightly through my story but i realized my story has a lot of data points and i think you know it's been four years at my startup, 40 employees going to 60. Um, you know, I realized that if I started using more of that type of um, numbers and change over time, my story, my personal story started getting stronger. And I always thought if others started, you know, you know, not just a, just a resume where you're like, 
50% went up and, you know, it, that's not it. That's, you know, not those metrics. It's more, how are you contributing directly to those changes or those years you worked with, or what are those numbers um, that you can put in to your story? And I think that's where I realized I started integrating more of those into my, into my story and I became stronger. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. So when like, I don't look at our numbers as much as I should. <laughs> and recently I reviewed our numbers to try to be, to try to figure out what our growth was like last year, not expecting it to be huge or anything. And we actually grew by 185%. Oh, wow. So I didn't know, I didn't know that that's what we were doing and that's the impact we were having because I was just going through the motions. Um, but I'm sure if I would do like a review of the last five years and what I've done within that time, I would be able to pick up some pieces of, these are the amount of coffee chats I've had, for example. These are the amount of talks I've done. Um, these are the amount of women that we've been able to put on stage so they can speak about their stories. So I feel like those are the type of things that I feel like naturally for myself, I don't like talking about myself. Yeah. So I when, you, agree. <laughs> when you, when you're talking about storytelling with data for individuals, I'm like, you don't need to know all these data points. I don't even know all these data points, but there's definitely a lot of importance in knowing your data points. So you can tell the stories when it is time to tell them. Yeah. And I was, you know, I, I was just thinking, you know, you said that and it's like, yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, I don't know if it's um, something that I don't hear as much from maybe women in tech or women in their careers overall, um, that they have a lot of data points, like they have a lot. And if we don't talk about it, if we don't talk about these stories, how they have changed or shifted or made a difference in their organizations and in the people around them how would we know it's like you know it's like name dropping okay you know you kind of get annoyed by the person who names drop like four million times but I think you know you're like okay we get it you're popular you know people um I do it too I do it too and I, I don't mean it I don't mean to be you know that person but um when someone brings value you just have to say that that value that that experience is really you got to own that experience, but you also have to empower yourself to say, you know what, I can be in a meeting and make that that case, right? You know, we just had a press release and um, I said, you know what, to make my point, you know, I did get 13,000 views on that post, right? There is impact that I make. And, um, you know, when we go into meetings to say, what is your influence? No, I do have 7,500 followers on LinkedIn. It might not be more, but it might not be less, but it's a lot for me and it's significant for me, right? Um, and that was, you know, some people are like, how did you do that? And you're like, because it was a lot of years of networking <laughs> and a lot of work <laughs> that did not include, no one paid me to go to those conferences at times. You know, it was a lot of work to get out there and talk and, and be out there and be seen and, and the work that no one sees. Um, so sometimes that's a, it's an easy way to talk about what you're trying to build. I had one, I had one, um, one intern who like, I, you know, we're hiring them for a social media position, but also content. 
and um and one of the things that we did with the content was trying to get them to talk about their numbers and one of the things with the numbers was um she had like i don't know a huge amount of followers on instagram and if you can influence people to follow you and we're hiring you for a content and social media position you know i just went and like because i'm on instagram and i i went to see her instagram followers and i was like dude this this person has a lot of followers like you know her content's amazing so when i went into the interview with her um this is for an internship position i i, I just wanted to say hey i i went to your instagram and you put a great amount of content she was oh i was never going to mention that you guys are a tech company who's doing pharma like i didn't think you'd be interested i'm like no you're you're you can you can curate you can put something together you can think about it she goes oh yeah i take a lot of time i'm really proud of what i've created right um and it becomes human you know it becomes human what she's trying to do and 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 we did hire her and she's awesome you know <laughs> but that conversation yeah because she's like our social media like maven right and but she wasn't going to talk about it she wasn't going to talk about how many followers she had what what she does and and i said no let's have a conversation about it you know so you don't know i mean i know it's social media but now she's she also now is learning how to post on linkedin and she can pick it up so quickly um and um yeah a highly talented person who can understand metrics too amazing in social media metrics and understanding that and how to create lift and these are the conversations i think when we think about data is um that these are skill sets that we need to showcase that we have. And I think we can do it by the metric, our personal metrics, but it also can be the, the skill sets we can showcase to others of how they can do it too. You know, this is what you can focus on because it's so important in the market for this skill set. And if you're showing that increase and in progression over time, um, that you, you can really, show how you're changing because it's hard to sometimes talk about yourself and your own personal well, numbers like you said right <laughs> i remember being on panels with you and doing a super quick introduction of myself and you correcting <laughs> correcting my introduction um with actual numbers like saying it was six weeks and it was sold out and those different metrics that enhance and also like they're they're not filler like they're core to the story like they're core to the storytelling and sometimes it's just easier to not put in those key data points um because you're trying to like not bring attention to yourself but how would you say that the listeners should collect their key data points like how often should they be looking and reviewing these things that's a that's a good question and I think what I do is I do a yearly, um, well, I have a personal website um, where I keep track of everything. Um, and that's a professional website. Um, and you don't need to build it from scratch. You know, it could be um, like it'd be Wix or Weebly or Squarespace or, you know, or just a medium, you know, something that is more um, your own and collecting your story over time. Right. Um, 
I think I do my my own metrics a lot more frequently than I used to um, because now I'm, you know, continuously talking to employees. So we need I need to know internal like Odea metrics and understand that um, and understand our users. And so it's very professional. But then when it comes to saying, why should they give you money? <laughs> you know, like, why should this investor invest in you? Invest in you? Like, who are you? Um, I, I feel like I've had to, um, you know, say, what is my experience and say hackathons? and have gone to, I don't know how many, and I'm still calculating, like, you know, but I know, um, I know I've put together at least, I would, I would say about 15 to 20 hackathons in my life, right? Um, yeah, and that, and that's 15 to 20 times, I would say 200 to 500 attendees. That's a lot of people, right? That's a lot, of, a impact. lot of impact. Yeah, it's a lot of impact. And because one question I get is, you know, um, how are you guys going to do recruiting? Right. And, huh. you know, and recruiting is a talent war. Right. Um, and how, you know, these types of questions really are good because then they're saying, well, what does my experience look like? You know, and, and you might be like, well, I've never organized a hackathon. Um, and if anyone, on, uh, I think many in the audience will understand what a hackathon, but it, it's a three day or two day or one day um, kind of, you know, Here's your challenge and use tech and find a team and build it within like 24 hours or 10 hours or, you know, um, but even putting together as a volunteer being at these things, those are your numbers. You start saying, look, I interacted with 30, 40, 50, 100 people, right? Um, so I think for me right now, it's those types of, uh, I, I keep track as much as I can to say, you know, this is a good one. I didn't have one for hackathons. Like just, you know, but I did have a question around like, you know, um, hiring really, really technical, um, it, you know, technical uh, employees um, and where do you go get them? Uh, and uh, have I done this before? Have I had those interactions before? And I think this is, this is the type of information like, um, you know, they'll be like, duh. You know, but you get asked and you need to have an answer. And I think the more you can have that in your mind, you know, um, you're always being interviewed. It doesn't matter, you know, even on a podcast <laughs> like this one, you're being interviewed. Um, everybody thinks right when you get into that job, you're like, oh, resume done. I can rip it up, you know, and go into my job. No, um, you're making presentations. You're talking to colleagues. Uh, you know, you might be part of a hiring committee once in a while and people are asking about you um you need to create credibility and you need to feel empowered in your own in your own self too um and i think the the leaders i have noticed the most are the ones who um really can bring up numbers quite quickly but maybe because i'm a data geek and i love it i just get really excited <laughs> but it's it's a data within a story right Otherwise, if they yeah. just keep on throwing numbers at you, you're like, damn, I'm not listening to this anymore. Um, but if it's part of a story, it creates impact, doesn't it? It definitely yeah. does. It definitely does. Um, something I really want to speak about was your background in anthropology, because I feel like that's also influencing 
your storytelling with data for humans, for individuals, bringing that human aspect to it. How would you say it's influenced your career in data? I love anthropology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's one of, uh, I love arts degrees. Um, I love mixtures of arts and science. Um, I think when you bring those two together, um, arts, um, fine arts, arts, uh, sciences, uh, mathematics, um, just, I think the mixture of, of degrees, me, um, you know, when I hear a student who's doing computer science and a minor in, um, in music, it's just, you know, that. hearing, <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's, you know, I've had a few students who do that or, um, I just feel like they come into the room thinking in a bit more dynamic way, you know, um, or thinking, you know, just a bit more creatively, you know, because there's a lot of stuff going on and you're, you know, I mean, I think music is like math. So I think that it's something beautiful around that. Um, Anthropology is the study of human beings. So you're trying to find patterns in what people do. You're trying to find under, under, like an underlying um, understanding of meaning and why people do the things they do. Um, And that's what I do now, you know, like I use machine learning through, you know, through our company to understand what the customer is trying to understand and what they're trying to do and um, their influences and their next actions. So anthropology was one of those degrees where a lot of people ask me, are you going to become an archaeologist? Like, are you going to dig? I'm like, you know, fair enough. I mean, that is a minor umbrella part of anthropology. And I did go on a dig. So I, it was a, <laughs> it was a dream of mine to become an archaeologist. But then I realized when I got into, um, when I got into the field, I didn't want to dig anymore. <laughs> Uh, so what I wanted to do is talk to the people who were uh, in the hills that were close to us uh, next to the dig. And I just wanted to talk to them and understand their stories and talk to them. Um, understand like how their lives have changed. You know, what kind of, you know, they would tell us, oh, we used to have this many people in this field. And now there's only us as a family here. And, you know, you start oh, are under- we finding where it originated that you started really liking key data points for individuals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we found yeah. the source <laughs> i think so i wanted to know because it's so important to understand change right and understand uh, and that was a, a dig i did in uh i did in israel in 1999 and i wanted to know the bedouin story because there was bedouins that were just um just down the hill from the dig um and I, I just, I love the stories around it, but I, I needed to understand the change that they were having over time. And that was more, more compelling to me. And I got back home and I realized, oh gosh, how do I tell them I don't want to be an archaeologist anymore? You know, <laughs> um, so anthropology, you know, is, you know, qualitative and quantitative um, research. And you can make it qual- quantitative, of course, and you can move more into sociology as well. Um, but what I liked about anthropology is that I think we did so much work. Every course always had this. We always were thinking about different theories, but we always checked ourselves at the door and thought about bias. 
So bias was a major issue for us. You know, are we, you know, are we bringing our, ourselves to this dialogue? You know, how am I interpreting, interpreting this, right? Um, is this affecting what I'm collecting? Um, you know, so you're, you're a 19 year old going bias. How am I bias? I mean, you know, like, and you're 19 going, you're in this, like, why are we doing four or five different theories to understand the same data? Think about that. You know, we've done an analysis of a population say, and then we're saying, okay, we're going to bring in different types of theories, different concepts and different understandings to look at the same data. But I would say that's what's missing from some analysis now is yeah. that it kind of it kind of alludes that there's only one way to look at the data. And it's not looking at the different possible perspectives of, for example, like who is included and who is not included in this data set. Um, if you're not looking at it from different perspectives, you're just gonna take it as it is. So I think anthropology probably gave you a good background and good footing to always think about those different ang angles when you're looking at information. Completely, completely. And, and every angle was, is this an economic issue? Is this why we didn't get enough responses? You know, is the person not comfortable even having this conversation or filling out that form that you're asking for, right? Um, are they coming from a certain gender or non-gender, right? You know, we were doing a lot of gender theory and this is, for me, this is 20 years ago, right? Um, so, uh, you know, what is gender? You know, that was a great, I was like, what are we talking about? You know, again, this is like 20 years ago, you're this kid and you're going, what are we talking about? And, you know, um, these types of conversations were very, very important to me because it made me think about so many different ways of living and being and who we are and how we should just take people as they are and accept them. And the data doesn't tell us everything. And, and I think this is where it gets really interesting when you're discussing certain things and you're just saying, why are we taking that? Like, how, why are we describing it that way? Like, you know, and all, always asking why. Um, sometimes working with data scientists is like, can we not do the why? The data is the data. And you're like, no, the data is not the data. <laughs> you have to remain curious. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, how did we collect this? You know, do we, you know, and, and who collected it and, and, and why? And, um, you know, you're, you're doing experiments on it. You're doing experiments um, to find patterns, to understand, you know, like a change to understand that there's been somewhere a delta of something's happening. And then you're not asking how it was collected and who was collecting and the, the, the questioning behind it, you know? So a lot of times your experiments are just, oh, here's the data, go for it. Yeah, absolutely not. I was always the person <laughs> that wanted to know <laughs> where it was coming from, like what kind of pre-processing it went through before it reached me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know all of those things. Like I wanted to know the triggers that made it come into the systems. I wanted to understand everything um, because more often than not, if you're 
if you're setting something up from like a singular point of view, you're going to miss something. Or sometimes in startups, because there's not enough resources, it might be one person who's setting something up um, or someone who's not there anymore. And then no one can explain what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and you might have to go back and fix it so that it's actually reflecting like the business or how the business has changed. So I've always been like a why curious person because if it's garbage in, it's garbage out. Completely. And I, I bet we can do a whole episode on, on um, why are some triggers of collection better than others? And what have we left out and what we have, you know, who made the decisions to ask certain questions and collect that? And so I think we could have done a whole podcast on that. <laughs> we definitely could have. <laughs> Um, my next question, which is my last question, I've loved speaking with you, Helen, but I got to be respective of your time. You are a busy woman, busy, powerful woman. So oh my gosh. <laughs> what advice, <laughs> what advice would you give to our listeners? Um, I think the, I think the biggest advice for, for listeners and just for myself every day is it's okay to be really afraid every morning, like to wake up and go, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? You know, like, am I doing the right thing? And to, and to maybe that's not being, it's afraid of, of the next step maybe, but maybe you're questioning yourself in the mornings or, you know, anytime um, that is okay. That's okay to do that, to question your, your abilities, to question who you are, um, cause I know it's happening. I don't think many of my colleagues do that. I don't think they question anything. They're up and like up and going and not questioning themselves at all. And everything's great. And it's fantastic. I don't know how many are like that. Um, you know, uh, but for me, I do that. So it's okay. I kind of let it, I kind of meditate through that insecurity and, it, you know, and, and fear and, and just kind of go, okay, uh, thank you for being here. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge that you are a little bit scared about this meeting or about this interview or, you know, or this presentation, you know, it's okay. It's friggin' okay to be scared and insecure. But now what's next? What's next is, like we mentioned, is staying curious and asking the why and keeping track of who you are and what you've done. And at the end of the day, you'll be a whole person. It doesn't matter if it's numbers on a page or a CV or on a website and whatever, right? It's, you'll have that all written down and it'll be somewhere. And, but at the end of the day, the numbers will be the numbers, but you'll always be whole. You don't, even if, you know, you're always trying to go after the next I need three more, or I need 10 more, or I need to lose 10 more, you know, whichever way it goes. Um, they'll come and go, but you'll, you're always whole. It doesn't matter. You don't need that extra, you know, that, or, you know, it'd be great to have, or, but at this moment, you are a completely whole person and your story is your story right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That is exactly what I needed. Sorry, listeners. I felt like she was only speaking to me. Um, but of course, you're speaking to all of us. Um, so I would like to thank you for joining us today. Helen, would you like to remind them of where they can connect with you and where your art is? 
Yeah, everyone, please, um, again, always feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. It's uh, it's the easiest way. So it's uh, Helen is social. Just go at Helen Konizopoulos at LinkedIn. Um, and Helen is social.ca is where I put all my information. That's my personal um, uh, personal like website. Um, but and also Twitter. I love Twitter. Helen is social. So, you know, follow, reach out. If you want me to like showcase who you are, please reach out. All right. Thank you so much, Helen. And that was another episode of the Data Drop podcast.